Sup, Thrill Seekers. I'm Connor. And I'm Dev. And you're listening to Mass Hysteria. Welcome back, Thrill Seekers. Uh, Connor and I just, we, we struggled to film our intro. I'm not going to lie. We did. <laughs> uh, we're getting old, and I just had the realization today that I don't think I have stayed up through an entire movie Wow, no, in I'm, like five years. I am having this realization, too, because I literally always turn over <laughs> I can, and go to bed. It can be a horror movie where someone's like getting stabbed and getting chased, and I'm like, <sighs> lulled to sleep. I've watched three movies in the last week, and um, I have fallen asleep before all of them, and they've all been scary movies. Uh, but today, our mass hysterical, we just, we've decided to do like a touch base, right? Instead of like a mass yeah, hysterical. Yeah, it's like, um, what is it, the coffee update. news? Yeah. It's like our version of the coffee news. So I've started this game with my boyfriend. Oh my God, he doesn't know I'm saying this. So this is going to be all about it. <laughs> so he, like, sometimes will text me if I, you know... My favorite thing to do is hang up on FaceTime when I've, like, decided that I'm done the conversation, <laughs> which, like, some people might say is, like, quote-unquote rude or whatever, uh, but then he'll, te- he'll text me and he'll be like, bro, what what just happened? And so I, I hate being called bro or, like, Ugh, me too. homie, like, anything like that. So he called me homie, so I've decided to uh, start this game where I call him homie and it's evolved into me calling him rich homie Kwan, like the rapper. But I'm like, wait, he doesn't deserve to be called rich homie Kwan. So I've been calling him poor homie Kwan. <laughs> I've been like substituting it with like different adjectives. Stinky I'm like gassy homie, homie Kwan. Kwan. <laughs> <laughs> it's so effective. It's probably my favorite. And he, now I've even like started abbreviating it where I'm like PHQ. What's up? <laughs> 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 I'm like, well, if you're going to call me homie, like that's what you're going to get. So that's where I've been. This has been my game for the last week. Now that I'm like realizing socialization is going to start picking up, you know, I've started uh, practicing etiquette. <laughs> Social skills. <laughs> I'm like, They've poor Omi Kwan, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, he's like, no, you're poor Omi Kwan. And I'm like, no, 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 honey, that's your name. That's your name, sweetie. And he's, he's so mad. Um, well, if you're listening, what's up, poor Omi Kwan? <laughs> uh but connor's had like quite a um, yep, you, I, exciting I can, week yeah, as well yeah, I, can, I can take the mic from here thank you <laughs> poor, thank you poor homie <laughs> he's smelly homie Kwan today sweaty i think we're both sweaty homie we're Kwan both right sweaty now. The, the podcast studio which doubles as my bedroom is it's a little toasty today it's a little toasty i don't know what we're gonna do for the warm weather uh we'll probably probably like hear a uh, sweat drip into the microphone in like july probably probably so um what have we been doing the podcast studio is in a, a large house um we call it the shrine mm-hmm. well because it it was it was a catholic shrine in a previous life um shout we're out authentic exactly exactly um so there's also a a lot of stonework here and one of these stone features is a fountain and so we have this week i have taken it upon myself that i will become a um a gardener and a landscaper. <laughs> and so I have been working on the fountain and I uh, got it all cleaned out. It was disgusting. I probably hasn't been cleaned out in several years. I don't know if there was dead things in it. I don't know if it was just leaves, but it smelled rank. It was, just... it was rank. <laughs> and so I did all that and we added water to it. And then and Connor found out it was the old outhouse. <laughs> <laughs> 
and it's actually like really soothing it's really pretty there's like a little waterfall flowing it's really cute and my boyfriend decided that it needs to have fish which is logical it's logical it's a cute little pond small basin very cute and i decided it needed some like aquatic plants so we went to the pet store first and we picked out some fish thank god we didn't buy like guppies or koi because we did consider those Those are but, expensive. yeah they're like 30 bucks a fish hmm. so we got some goldfish we didn't even go with the expensive like goldfish <laughs> and they're actually 20 cents wow goldfish are expensive we were spenders we got 25 goldfish <laughs> like yeah we got 25 goldfish and some aquatic plants and blah 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 all of that so we put them in and within an hour one of our goldfish had sadly passed away and john my boyfriend was very very sad about this dead goldfish did it have a name it didn't poor homie kwan (laughs) poor homie kwan that's the goldfish's name as well it was also a silver goldfish it wasn't like a it wasn't a pretty goldfish so like i'm sorry R.I.P., but you weren't the prettiest. But Darwinism. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Survival of the prettiest. (laughs) I support that. Um, No, um, (laughs) I don't. Anyway, moving on. You're like, that's how I blasted. Yeah, before I dig a bigger hole for myself, I dug a hole for the goldfish. Mm. a, A small hole. Um, He was not a very big fish. And I played a Catholic hymn. Wow. And, a real send-off. Yep. And and we laid him to rest. Since then, we're pretty sure more goldfish, I think something is eating them. But there are a few left. There's definitely not 25 left. There's oh maybe like a dozen. Maybe a dozen. So we will keep you updated on the um, the shrine beautification projects. And the status of Connor's of goldfish. Uh, goldfish collection. Yes. John really. wants them to breed. It's like we need to get the conditions right possible? for them to breed. Apparently, but... According to the pet store guy, goldfish usually just like lay their eggs and then they eat their own eggs. They're not very bright. Mm. So we'll see what happens. We'll keep you updated. We will. Um, Today's case has not been covered anywhere that we found, which is a good thing because we're talking about something new. But the challenge here is there's very limited uh, sources. yeah. Yeah, about what actually happened. So... We are going to try to tell this as best we can. I, we looked through all the court documents. But today we are going to Enosburg, Vermont, which is, it's a small town. It's only a couple thousand. It's actually smaller than my hometown. Yeah. I feel like we haven't been to Vermont in a while, too. Yeah. So it's it's nice to visit our, our, our friends our in Vermont. Vermont. Is Vermont famous for maple Green syrup? Mountains. The Green Mountain State. Is that famous for maple syrup or is that? Um, Probably. I mean, sure. all of New England does maple syrup. Yeah. You yeah, Vermont. There's a lot of Vermont maple syrup. Um... So it's a rustic, like, New England town, exactly like how you probably picture. Um, And everyone knew each other. Lori Gagno, she was a 29-year-old woman, and she lived in the small town. And she really enjoyed spending time with animals. She especially loved horses, which we grew up as horse people. Yes, I am still a horse people. When you're a horse person. Devin's a retired horse people. I'm a retired horse people. She made the right choice. Um, We'll just leave that there. It's a complicated (laughs) relationship. Uh, but life was quiet for Lori. She was married to a man named Richard, but she quickly struck up a friendship with the man who lived next door. They lived in a trailer park, and the man who lived in the trailer next door, his name was Wayne Earl Delisle. It's always a trailer park. It's always the man next door. It's always a guy with the middle name Wayne. I mean, the middle name Earl. <laughs> no, remember uh, the oh, Jennings yeah, murder? His middle name was Earl. Right. So this was the mid-70s, and Wayne was working for his parents' farm store. 
He lived with his wife and his children, and Wayne also kept horses, which led him to get to know Lori better. All horse people know each other. They do. He was five years older than her, but soon the two grew close and they became more than friends. This is the classic tale as old as time. Song as old as rhyme. Um, Their affair was kept secret between the two. The only problem was Lori wanted to go public. As the affair continued, she threatened to tell his wife what was going on. And you may be listening and wonder why she wasn't concerned about her husband knowing. And that's, Connor and I talked about this, but that's the challenge here is there's really limited information. Yeah, we don't know. I could barely find a picture of her. I could not find a picture of Wayne. Interesting. Earl Delisle. But Wayne was a hardworking man, and he was also, though, a heavy drinker, and he was known to be violent. So after Lori threatened to tell his wife, she mysteriously vanished from her trailer home next door. Her husband, Richard, reported her missing in um, November of 1976. So we've all seen Gone Girl, I'm sure, and it's no surprise here that Richard was immediately the prime suspect. He was her husband, after all, and, and Lori had no like indication that she wanted to leave, let alone to do it so spontaneously with no warning. Something smelled off to the police, but they may have been honing in on the wrong person. According to the Bennington Banner, the last time uh, Richard saw Lori was the day before she disappeared in the morning. She was getting ready for work when he said goodbye to her. Richard worked that day, which and he was surprised uh, not to see Lori at home when he got back. And even weirder, the living room area looked like it had been rummaged through, and there was a metal tray on the floor and a spilled cup of tea. Lori definitely should have been home by this time if she'd been at work, and she definitely would not have left the living room looking that disheveled. It's such like a targeted thing to be disheveled too. Like just the living room was like yeah. tossed aside, which yeah. is interesting. Um, the police put together a team to investigate the young woman's mysterious disappearance. For three days, they searched for any leads or information, but they got nowhere. Three d- three days, like it seems like a really short amount of time to investigate, in my opinion. But the Bennington Banner said that their investigation really did only last those few days. The police were coming up short. They had no way to build a case without even one suspect in her disappearance, which is challenging if you think about it. Like, if they have no it information, like, she, it just looked like she vanished. Right. What are you going to build the case on? Her case soon cooled off. As the summer of 1977 came around, residents of rural Vermont were outside taking full advantage of the warm weather. If you've never been to Vermont or to northern New England, you know that winter is incredibly heinous, and we all just cry. It just goes on forever. For months. Like I said in the previous episode, it lasts till July, whatever. Yeah, and in Vermont, it definitely lasts till July. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you... Are lucky enough to see the sun. Right. If you're lucky enough to see the sun, you're outside. And so that's what happens in the spring and the summer. Like, it explodes. There are people everywhere outside. And so everyone loves to hike, or most people love to hike, and they love to spend time outdoors. And in early July, two canoeists, they were enjoying the summer, and they were making their way down the Lamoille River in Jefferson, Vermont. And that's when they noticed something in the water. Jefferson was a tiny town with less than 1,000 people, and it was about 20 miles from Enosburg. The mass the canoeists spotted in the river was the body of Lori Gagno. She was completely nude and had been tied up with rope. Her body was wrapped in a tarp and had been weighed down by cement blocks, according to court documents. The state medical examiner determined that Lori had died by manual strangulation. Someone had choked her. When her body was taken in for an autopsy, it was revealed that she had died around the time she disappeared. So if you do some quick math, that means that Lori had been dead for over eight months by the time her body was discovered in that river. The discovery of Lori's body 
led to a dozen new questions. Who would have wanted this small town gentlewoman dead? And while her husband had been the initial suspect, Wayne Earl Delisle became a prime suspect after her body was discovered. Less than a month after Lori disappeared back in November, Wayne moved away. And he didn't move to New Hampshire or Vermont. Nope. He moved as far away as he could down the coast. He moved to Florida. And he started his life over, opening a small landscaping business and residing near Daytona. Which, if you think about it, is even crazier that he just picked up and left because he had a family. Yeah. And he would have to have started a whole other business because he was working for his parents. Yeah, that's crazy. But Detective Henry Red Vautier, which we will refer to as Red, he had a sinking feeling that Delisle had been the one to kill Lori, but proving it was incredibly challenging. The problem was that the only evidence he had was circumstantial. So circumstantial evidence requires an element of inference to show a fact. So, for example, if Connor's romper, yes, he he really owns a fabulous romper. Do, I'm not going to lie, it looks great on you, <laughs> was found at the scene of a crime, then it would be circumstantial evidence in his trial. I would have to infer it was Connor based on recognizing his article of clothing. In contrast, if there was CCTV footage of Connor disposing of his romper at the crime scene. Which I would never do. It's far too fabulous to do that. Exactly. Uh, this is considered direct evidence. Everything Red had was certainly damning for Delisle, but unfortunately, it was all circumstantial. And circumstantial evidence is really tough to bring to court and prove in a case at trial. So Red also discovered that the rope used to bind Lori's hands came from the Delisle residence. Wayne had used that same rope to hang his wash on. According to the Tampa Bay Times, there was a black paint found on the cinder cinder blocks, like remnants of black paint that had been used to weigh down the tarp. And this same paint was traced back to a store in close proximity to the Delisle home. And if you're thinking, okay, maybe this is sheer coincidence, well, thrill seekers, the exact tarp found wrapped around the deceased woman was identified to be a canvas belonging to none other than our friend Wayne Earl Delisle. Because this happened in the 70s and there's no DNA evidence. Like, that's the only reason. I cannot I imagine. Like, like yeah, like, that for must this have been so hard. Um, so it's heartbreaking to hear all, all this evidence, obviously, and then know that Red felt he still did not have enough to convict Wayne. When asked about why he fled so soon after Lori's disappearance, Wayne denied any involvement in her death. Instead, he claimed that her husband had threatened him after discovering the affair and then told him to leave the area. And according to the Tampa Bay Times, Red even flew down to Florida to further question Delisle. Like, that's how committed he was wow. to the case. But no new information surfaced. And so while the case would be reviewed from time to time each year, it mostly sat quietly on the desks of the Vermont police for over a decade. Until one day, almost 14 years later, when the one person nobody would suspect decided that it was time to talk. On March 7th of 1990, Wayne Earl Delisle was charged with first-degree murder. And according to the Orlando Sentinel, quote, Wayne Earl Delisle, 47, was arrested without incident about 10 a.m. in Volusia County by the deputy sheriffs and Vermont State Police, who followed him until he dropped off his nine-year-old daughter at school, end quote. In in early 1990, his son, Wayne Bud Delisle, that was his nickname, Bud, we'll call him Bud, um, came forward with the additional evidence needed to tie his father to the crime. Investigators were unsure why Bud decided to cooperate with the investigation all these years later, but they were grateful that he shared the critical information that he held and were grateful too. 
According to the court documents from Wayne Sr.'s trial, Bud testified that his father had been arguing with Lori the night before. The quarreling was bad enough that the children overheard the entire conversation. Bud said in court that Lori, quote, threatened to tell a dark tale about the defendant if he did not take her horses to be shod the next day <laughs> and did not give her new horse blankets, end quote. This is me. These are interesting. These are horse person demands. Yeah, they are. Instead of brushing off her threat, Wayne told Lori in their argument that he would kill her, um, which you can very much easily tell that he's a violent man. The next morning, Wayne strayed from his normal set routine. I guess he had like this routine where he would get his kids up for school and would do the same thing. Instead, on this morning, he left his trailer, walked over to the Gagno residence. Shortly after, he came back to his own home. He grabbed a tarp, some miscellaneous supplies, and threw them in the back of his truck. But, and this is why I'm like confused about why he would do it in front of his children. They were watching the whole time because they right. were home and they were about to catch the bus. So when he walked back from the Ganyo's trailer 15 minutes later, like they looked at him, you know, like what's going on? And Bud testified that on that day, his father looked him in the eye and told him to, quote, keep his mouth shut, end quote, in reference to the odd morning behaviors that they had witnessed. The state described Wayne and Lori's relationship as a, quote unquote, torrid love affair. When police raided his home, they found old naked photographs of various women in a vault, including some of Lori. His wife claimed that the photos were something that her husband had always kept and that it was often a point of contention in their marriage. Mm, under, understandably. That's, also, he keeps them in a vault? That's really weird. Despite the growing evidence, Wayne adamantly denied any involvement in Lori's death. His alibi was that he was at work during the time that she would have been killed. And because he worked for his parents, he was able to get them to corroborate this story. He also stayed with his story that he left because of Lori's husband's threats. I'm curious to know how they knew what time of day she was killed. Like, if his alibi is that he was at work, he obviously was not at work 24-7. And since they don't actually have an exact date and time for her murder, it seems like a weak defense to broadly claim, I didn't do it because I was working. Because, I mean, she could have disappeared and then been murdered, you know? Or, and... Like I mean, a couple days later. Yeah. If they they had, don't know if, exactly. If they found her a couple days later, it would have been a totally different thing. Right. But eight months later. Right. Um, a jury found Wayne guilty and he was charged with second degree murder. His He was sentenced to 20 to 50 years behind bars. Wayne filed a motion for re-argument, which basically is a claim that part of his case was not correctly addressed by the court. But this motion was denied. His main argument was that involuntary manslaughter, which carries a much lighter sentence, I think it was like 10 years, was never an option for the jury, only first and second degree murder. His case is quite complicated to read. Um, we can link it in the epi notes, but the takeaway is that he really was using whatever he could to try and lessen his sentence. While the murder of uh, Lori Gagno is absolutely heinous, the initial arrest of Wayne Earl Delisle showed that she was sadly not his last victim. An article for the Tampa Bay Times opens with the following line, quote, If Volusia County kept its own 10 most wanted list, Wayne Earl Delisle would have been a fixture for the last 14 years. Delisle, these detractors say, is a man who attacks women, end quote, end quote. He was a predator, and he had been accused of various violent crimes while he was living in Florida. In 1979, a victim reported to police that Wayne suspended her from a truck hoist and beat her with both his fists and a leather belt. He had a reputation in the area for hurting and raping young women in areas that were secluded and far away from the main roads. 
that's how you can especially tell he's evil because it's like he's targeting women that are in situations where they're not going to be able to easily like get yeah, help. Yeah, they're vulnerable. And they're vulnerable young vulnerable women. Places. Yeah, he's disgusting. So six times before, Wayne had been accused of brutal crimes against women. However, in the previous cases, he always went free, sometimes not even facing trial for his crimes. The Lori Gagno case was pivotal in bringing justice to the other victims of Wayne Earl Delisle. According to the Tampa Bay Time article, Times article, Quote, Delisle could be a suspect in up to three Volusia County murders, end quote. Murders, they say, that happened suspiciously close to the violent man. Even though to us, and I'm sure the thrill seekers listening, it seems very clear that Wayne killed Lori. Not all people felt that way. Wayne's mother stood behind him, her son the whole trial. And his defense lawyer believed him to be the victim of police who, quote, can't admit that they had been going after the wrong man, end quote. In the late 1970s, the other cases against Delisle were difficult to bring to court. And according to the Tampa Bay Times, quote, the victims were prostitutes and transient street people who had no visible means of financial support and were sometimes involved in drugs, end quote. It's completely unfair, but in the 70s, the cases um, of these women were arguably not taken as seriously because they were women that were involved in sex work. As these cases would get closer to trial, they would often fall apart. The victims couldn't always be located, or sometimes they would even refuse to go to court to testify. The 1979 case we mentioned, where the victim was beaten on a truck hoist, almost brought some justice. The detective on the case took her statements very seriously, photographed her bruised body, and was even able to identify blood on Delisle's belt. Right before the trial was set to start, though, the victim entered a drug treatment program and the charges were dropped. After all the accusations of brutal crimes against Wayne Delisle, it is no secret that Florida was growing frustrated with their inability to convict him. When Lori's trial began, it was a sign of hope that justice would prevail for all his other victims. Part of the hope that came from his arrest was that the other victims, or even people who knew Delisle in any capacity, would feel safer and more comfortable to come forward with any information that they might have. One of the women Florida officials believed to be tied to Delisle was a 24-year-old who had been found dead close to the, close to the Delisle's Florida property. Um, after his arrest, Florida police obtained search warrants to bring cadaver dogs onto his property. And it's, but it's unclear from the information that we had access to what the outcome of all that was. Even though it would be much more satisfying to see all of Wayne's victims get the justice they deserve, there is some comfort in knowing the murderer is serving his long sentence. He actually uh, petitioned to be moved to a new jail or a new prison, and he is now serving out his sentence in Alabama instead of Florida. Hmm. Interesting. I think uh, when if someone disappears, they shouldn't just look into the spouse. They should also look into the neighbor. Yeah, they this definitely. Is a, this is the third the time I've like listened to. I was listening to two other cases that weren't related to this one, and it was the neighbor. So hmm. anyway, until next time, guys. Bye, guys.